All right, y'all, what is going on? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got them facts. Of course, it is Monday. That means it is a sports day. I'm going to be bringing you guys up to date uh, with all the, the news that's going on in sports so far. I got an NFC West preview, of course, for you guys. I also got some preseason action to go over as well as some baseball, of course, at this, the top of the week. So uh, we'll be going over the standings and then we'll be well, sorry, we'll be going over the scores uh, from yesterday as well. So let's get right into it. Of course, like I said, I got an NFC West preview for you guys. Uh, we're going to start off with the Arizona Cardinals. Now, last year, Arizona would finish 3-13 overall and 2-4 in their division. Uh, over the offseason, they would pick up, of course, Kyler Murray via the draft. Uh, last year at Oklahoma, he had 5,632 yards. He also threw for 54 touchdowns. Actually, he had 54 touchdowns in total. He also ran for some as well. They also added cornerback uh, Robert Alford as well as guard Max Garcia as far as some key losses for them they lost their uh, one of their key linebackers uh, Josh Bynes he had 78 total tackles uh, last year before injury they also lost uh, safety Dion Buchanan who played 13 who played 13 games with him last year. He also started in seven. Uh, but the Cardinals are bringing back 15 total starters, including eight off, uh, eight on the offense, seven on the defense. They're also bringing back their punter. Uh, some of those starters include David Johnson, who last year ran for 940 yards. He also ran for seven touchdowns. They're also bringing back wide receiver Larry Fitzgerald, who last season caught 69 catches for 734 yards, actually 739 yards, and also a touchdown. On the defensive side, they're bringing back defensive end Chandler Jones, who led the team last year in sacks with 13. Uh, now, by the numbers, basically, uh, this is the stat portion of this. Uh, the Cardinals were going to finish 32nd in overall offense at just 241.6 yards per game. They also finished 32nd in points per game as well. They would also end up giving up 32 sacks a game, which is tied for 26. They were also 20th in overall defense at 358 yards per game allowed. They were also, But they were 4th against the pass they only gave up 203 yards uh about about 203 yards per game uh, let's move on uh we're going to talk about some of their strengths uh their strength this year is going to be in the secondary i believe uh there is some trade speculation with patrick peterson but for now he's looking to stay there so that is their best athlete there uh they were 20th against the pass last year and dj swearinger last year uh, he led the team with four interceptions so they can uh, create some turnovers in that department that's probably their best defensive unit uh but moving on to their weakness uh, it's definitely the offensive line uh they gave up 52 sacks last year and they're bringing in a rookie uh, again for the second straight year, rookie quarterback for the second straight year, and uh, the the offensive line pretty much gave up a sack, and I believe it was about 61%, or I'm sorry, it was uh, 10% of quarterback dropbacks, or 9% of quarterback dropbacks, so whenever the quarterback uh, pretty much got into the pocket, 9% of the time, he'd be under pressure or ended up getting sacked, uh, so that's not really good at all. The Cardinals also ranked last in rushing last season. Uh, season. Now, they are bringing back uh, center Mason Cole. He's the only offensive lineman to start all 16 games last season. Uh, the Cardinals did trade for right tackle Marcus Gilbert and also AQ Shipley. Uh, he's going to be a center. He will be returning uh, from knee injury. So they're going to have to improve there. Uh, but like I said, they did add Marcus Gilbert. So they tried to help themselves out along there. They're bringing back center uh, Mason Cole. Again, he does have some starting experience. So that's, that offensive line is going to be a work in progress. And I don't, I would not be surprised if 
Kyler Murray has a difficult time, and also David Johnson has a difficult time this year as well. Uh, but moving on, we have some three uh, key points about the team, and also, uh, well, three key points last questions for this team uh my first question is how will cliff kingsbury uh fare in his first season with his new quarterback and also bringing in a new air raid offense that doesn't necessarily uh is not necessarily implemented on a whole uh, on a large scale in the nfl up next uh, i'm gonna have to say the o-line needs to stay healthy of course they had different uh well for those of you who do not know, they had 13 different starters take snaps last season. Uh, and now they're bringing in some more guys, some uh, some new guys. Max Garcia, J.R. Sweeney, and also Marcus Gilbert. They're definitely going to add some depth. I'm pretty sure in Marcus Gilbert's case, he's probably going to end up being the starting right tackle. I'm not too sure about Garcia or Sweeney, but they definitely have some uh, health there. Well, some depth there uh, because they do have some injury-prone guys there as well. And uh, my final question for the, the, uh, the Cardinals will be, can David Johnson make a comeback a couple years ago uh he took the, the league by storm especially in the fantasy football world uh really uh helping out the cardinals in the passing and the running game as well uh last year he took uh, last couple of seasons he took a step back i know he was dealing with an injury i believe the year before last uh last year he only ran for about 900 yards i don't remember if he was suffering through too much of any injury issues but again um I think in order for that offense, I mean, he's definitely a focal point in that offense, and I think for them to improve, he would have to stay. Uh he would have to stay healthy as well. We're going to move on to the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, last year, the Los Angeles uh, Rams finished with a record of 15-4 overall. They also go undefeated in the division. We already know about this squad here. They would go on to win the NFC Championship, but they lost in the Super Bowl to the Patriots. Uh, some key additions for them during the offseason will be safety Eric Whittle, uh, old hard-hitting veteran, well, old-school hard-hitting veteran, uh, about 32 years old, still looking to uh, get some significant playing time. And I think he definitely uh, is a good addition there still is able to hit still is able to cover uh pretty decently as well uh, at the quarterback position they brought in uh a break i'm sorry blake butler at the quarterback position they also brought i'm sorry blake Bortles, not blake butler excuse me they brought in blake Bortles at the quarterback position and they also brought in linebacker clay matthews uh he's he's well he's uh going back home he graduated from usc a few years well a long time ago uh, he was drafted by the packers but now he's making his way back to the la area uh and uh for some key losses for the rams they lost their guard roger saffold he started in all 16 games last season he's also a great interior run blocker as well with that being said, the Rams are bringing back 17 starters, including nine on the offense, also eight on the defense, and they're both bringing. Oh, they're bringing back both their kicker and their punter. Some of those starting, uh, those star returners or. Yeah, star returners are going to be uh, running back Todd Gurley. Of course, last year he ran for 1,251 yards. Uh, he also caught, um, he also had 580 receiving yards as well, and he had 21 total touchdowns. Uh, they're also bringing back their kicker, one of their better kickers, Greg Zerline, one of the better kickers in the league, actually. He went 30 of 36 on extra point attempts. He also went 27 of 31 on his field goal percentage. Uh, 31 and uh, 27 of 31 on his field, uh, field goal goal attempts as well and of course they're bringing back uh their defensive tackle aaron donald last year he had 20 and a half sacks which was the most uh by an interior lineman and two away from michael strahan's sack record as well let's break this team down by the numbers last year they would finish second in offense behind the chiefs until uh second in offense uh with 421 yards a game they also finished second in points behind the chiefs as well with 32.9 uh they would also go on to finish third in the rushing department with a 
139.4 yards a game. In terms of defense, they finished 19th overall with 358 yards average per game, uh, but they did finish third in interceptions with 18 forced uh, interceptions, and they would finish uh, with a plus 11 turnover differential, which will put them at fourth in the league. Uh, some strengths for this team here, of course, I would say, well, for me, I would say it's coaching. Um, Sean McVay has already won 26 games in two seasons here in LA. Uh, they also won a divisional title in the conference title last year as well. Uh, but they're also bringing in defensive co coordinator Wade Phillips, who does have some Super Bowl experience, who has um, coached up some Hall of Fame talent as well. So look for them to definitely improve in that department. That's already was there. They have the offensive side. Now I think they really showed themselves up defensively. Look for them to uh, make some improvements in terms of total yardage game and, uh, and scoring defense as well. One weakness that I do see here is the lack of depth at the linebacker position. Uh, Corey Littleton was the team's leading, uh, leading tackler with 125 tackles. He is back, uh, but his backup, Micah Kaiser, only had four. So again, uh, a lot of tackles to be made up there. The defense was not as was not on par uh, as you would think with that offense. Uh, but look again, like I said, with Wade Phillips, I think it definitely should improve. Uh, three key points and questions for this team. Uh, for one, I got Ken, uh, Todd Gurley stay healthy. Again, he's had some issues over the offseason, also in the playoffs as well. The Rams selected Daryl Henderson uh, in the draft as another uh, running back on the roster. And uh, the thing about it is, like I said, they just have a rookie there uh, to back him up. And they also got Malcolm Brown there. But Malcolm Brown only ran for 212 yards last year, but no touchdowns. So again, uh, Todd Gurley is going to be probably the main factor in this offense as well. He's going to have to definitely stay healthy. They're going to definitely have some more tight end play, I think, this year as well. Uh, they brought in two solid line, uh, two solid tight ends, excuse me, uh, Tyler Higby and also Jared Everett. So look for some more passes to those guys. Uh, I definitely think that helps Jared Goff out because, again, that's more targets for him. I don't think, well, I, I do like their receivers as well. Uh, but Clay Matthews, I think he should be a, a pretty solid factor here. This season made six consecutive pro balls, uh, but he only had three uh Three and a half sacks last year. I think he's definitely going to improve. He's going to be back at home uh, in his own stopping grounds. Again, he's going to be surrounded. Uh, he has another uh, linebacker right next to him and Corey Littleton, who's really good as well. So I I definitely think uh, Clay Matthews was a, was a good signing for them and a good addition to that defense. <clears throat> and uh, we're going to move on from them. And let's go down to the Niners. Now, for the Niners, uh, last year, uh, it didn't really go as well for them. Of course, we know about Jared Garoppolo suffering that injury to the Chiefs relatively early in the season, and that pretty much knocked them out of all contention there. Uh, but they would go on to finish 2018 at 4 and 12. They would also go on to finish 1 and 5 in the division. Uh, for some key ads for them, they were able to get defensive end D Ford last season, who was a uh, who actually garnered a career high 13 uh, sacks last year. He also had seven forced fumbles and. Uh, yeah, seven forced fumbles as well, uh, playing for the Chiefs last year. I thought that was one of the better additions, at least pass rushing additions to a team in the offseason. Uh, uh, the 49ers uh, really did their homework with that pick. They also picked up linebacker Quan Alexander, as well as wide receiver Jordan Matthews. For some key losses for them, um, they would end up losing one of their top, well, yeah, one of their top receivers, Pierre Garçon. Uh, he uh, played, well, he missed 16 games over the last two seasons because of injury. So there you go with that. 
bad. They also lost running back Alfred Morris and also tackle Gary uh, Gilliam. Uh, but they do have 19 returning starters, including nine on the offense, 10 on the defense, and also bringing back their kicker as well. Uh, some of their top returning stars are going to be running back Matt Breida, who last year ran for 100 for over 800 yards. He also had a few touchdowns as well. You also bring back tight end George Kittle, who uh, led, I think we led tight ends last year with 1,030 uh, with 1,377 yards, also five touchdowns. They also bring back their one of their top defensive linemen, uh, DeForest Buck who last year had uh, 12 sacks and of course they bring back the OG vet uh, Richard Sherman uh, by the numbers for this team last year they would finish 16 overall offense with 360 yards uh, per game they also finished 13th against the uh, 13th in the rushing game with 118 yards a game they also would finish 13th in overall defense with 346 yards allowed in the game uh, allowed per game and they will go on to finish 11th in pass defense with 233 pass yards giving up per game so not too bad um offensively or defensively uh i, I guess the just the just not having their star quarterback really seemed to to just do a number on them and again um by the numbers they did not look like a really bad team they're really middle of the road at best uh to be honest, their stats don't really read to me a team that's um, 4-12, just to be honest with you. Uh, but let's move on to the strengths of this team. I'm going to go with a defensive line. Uh, they, drafted, they drafted one of the top pass rushers, Nick Bosa. They're going to pair him up with DeForest Buckner, who, led, like I said, led the team uh, with 12 sacks and also made his first pro ball. The, uh, the Niners will also have... Uh, uh, sorry, uh, they will also be looking for Eric Armstead and Solomon Thomas to step up too. So they're loaded at the defensive line. I think they have a lot of uh, bodies there. The question is, can people step up? Like Nick Bosa, who's probably going to be a starter, uh, probably next to DeForest Buckner. We don't know, but they definitely have Eric Armstead there and so Eric Armstead there and Solomon Thomas there to back them up. So the question is, can they step their games up? There's been a lot that's been left. There's been a lot um, of speculation on just Eric Armstead said and Solomon, Tom, Solomon Thomas I've been hearing just about them not uh, necessarily uh, I guess uh, yeah uh, matching or meeting their expectations just yet so I think if they that whole D-line is able to meet expectations I think you're looking at one of the, be the best D-lines uh, just by names in the league and then uh, let's move on to the weakness of their team um, at this point I, I, I don't think I uh, I really had one for this team, uh, maybe except for the wide receiver department. I really don't see where there's a thousand yard receiver this year. I think that might come back to negatively hurt Jimmy because again, I don't think they have a, a really deep weapon there. Uh, they did add Jordan Matthews, but he's not necessarily a deep threat. Uh, Marquise Goodwin is somebody that they've had for a while. He's definitely a speedy threat, uh, somebody with some wheels, but again, I don't think he's one of those guys with great hands either. So I think that wide receiver position in my opinion leaves a lot to be desired uh, but let's move on to some three key points about this team here uh, like I said I believe they have the best the best pass rush at least in this division as of right now maybe even the conference uh, like I said with Nick Bosa coming in they also have uh, Solomon Thomas who needs to step up as, long, uh, as well as they have DeForest Buckner who made his first uh, pro ball last year the next uh, point I'm gonna have here uh, I think Jimmy Garoppolo would definitely be back healthy and it's gonna pretty much in terms of offense in terms of their offense at least set them straight there and finally i feel like they're loaded at the running back position they have matt breeder there their 
leading rusher. They also brought in Jarek McKinnon. They also brought in Tevin Coleman. They also brought in Raheem uh, Most uh, Mostert, and then they also brought in Jeff Wilson Jr. So they're looking to be deep there. I think uh, I don't think they have a. A, somebody who you call a bell cow just yet somebody who could take the majority of the carries but they definitely have a running back by committee situation going there and i think it could be a successful one uh and finally let's wrap everything up with the nfc west by talking about the seattle seahawks uh last season the seattle seahawks would finish 10 and 7 overall and 3 and 3 in the division some key additions for them will be case uh, will be kicker excuse me uh, kicker Jason Myers. They also added defensive end Ezekiel Asa, also guard Mike Upati, and also defensive end uh, Jamar Taylor. The key loss for them, though, will be a defensive end Frank Clark. He will start all 16 games for Seattle in 2018, and he also led the team in sacks with 13. They also lost cornerback Justin Coleman, as well as safety Maurice Alexander. Of course, they lost uh, one of their top wide receivers, Doug Baldwin, as well, who had 618 receiving yards last season and also five touchdowns by the numbers this team uh, was 18th in total offense with 353 yards per game they also finished first against the rush with 160 point with 160 yards per game they also finished seventh in points with 26.8 and they also finished 16th in total in total defense excuse me with 353.3 uh, yards per game and uh, they were also excuse me they were also finished first in the turnover and the, the turnover differential with plus 15. Now, one strength for this team, of course, I would I would go with the coaching. Uh, Coach Pete Carroll has that team uh, looking at another 10-win season. Uh, he led them to another 10-win season despite all the pieces that they lost. Uh, they will also... Uh, go to the playoffs as well uh despite like i said despite the destruction of the legion of boom defense and so far in his career he's gone 90 and 86 uh, sorry 98 and 60 and so far in seattle uh he's also nine and six in the playoff he is the winningest winningest coach in seattle's history uh weakness here for this team though would be would have to be the defensive line they added uh like I said, they did add defensive end Ezekiel Anza to re- replace Frank Clark. Uh, however, uh, Anza faced many injuries last year, uh, and he only played in seven games, and he only had four sacks. So, again, Frank Clark is going to be a huge loss on that defensive front, um, a, a much maligned defensive unit in general. Uh, so it will be interesting to see uh, what comes from that defense coming in the next year, what they're going to be emphasizing. Uh, but Seattle did pick up Rasheen Green and also Jacob Martin in this year's draft uh, for death. Now, Cassius Mark was also brought in uh, in free agency upon that three uh, that D line and at defensive tackle. Uh, Seattle has uh, Jerron Green, who had ten and a half sacks last season. So they do have some hope. They do have some people who are capable. Uh, they they also made some draft picks as well. Uh, but look for them, I think, to take somewhat of a step back even more uh, significantly on defense. Uh, some three points and uh, three points uh, slash questions for this squad here. Is can the running game stay consistent? Of course, their leading rusher was Chris Carson last year, who ran for a thousand five, a thousand one hundred and five. Sorry, he ran for one thousand one hundred and fifty-one yards last season for nine touchdowns. But they do have a new offensive uh, offensive line coach with Mike Solari, so that should be interesting there as well. And the next question, uh, or this next point for this team, is can the passing defense improve as well? Uh, this is the first year without the Legion, or well, the second, or well, the first year without the Legion of Boom. They did not do so well. They finished 17th against the pass. Uh, and also, that was the, worst, the most yards in the air they've given up since 20. 20- 
2010. Again, without that pass rush, I don't see things getting really better in terms of pass defense. Uh, and Seattle does have a great turnover uh, ratio, and I definitely think this is a key to success. One thing that they, one thing that they did do well last season was they did turn, they did force team to turn the ball over. They did not turn the ball over themselves. I don't expect to call. I don't expect. Excuse me. I do not expect uh, Russell uh, West. Russell Wilson, excuse me, to throw away too many interceptions this year. Uh, even in terms of when he runs the ball, when he's running with the ball, he does not give up too many fumbles. I don't think the running backs gave up too many fumbles as well. So I do not think this this is a team that gives up too many uh, too many turnovers on their on their note. Uh, but defensively, they might not force a whole lot of turnovers this year. They do not have a pass rush that is non-existent this year, uh, and I'm not 100% sure about that secondary either. Uh, but expect in terms of uh, the winners and losers of this division, I definitely like uh, I definitely like LA's chances. Again, I think they're coming with that. They they maintained what they had, and I think they improved in, in terms of their coaching by bringing in Wade Phillips. Uh, you also got maybe. Um, the 49ers with an outside chance, just depending on uh, just how well that pass rush comes together. Of course, you have a running back by committee situation there, and they do have a really solid quarterback coming coming back as well in Jimmy Garoppolo. The thing about the Niners is I really don't trust their wide receivers as well. Uh, but uh, let's move on to the Cardinals. I don't really think the Cardinals do really that well this year. I think they finished maybe a seven or six win team. I think, again, you're just starting over with another quarterback, uh, basically a new coaching system. I don't see they where they get good right away um and finally i think they do finish last and in terms of the, the seahawks I, I think they they have a potential to finish second and third and just more depends on uh what happens with the 49ers they are lacking a pass rush but again they have a good coaching staff uh they do have a they do have an improved offensive line they lost some raw receivers but they really have a good running game as well so the question is can the defensive line uh generate some um can, can they generate a pass rush and also uh the big question for them is can the offensive line keep improving so they can have a balanced offense to the point where they're able to run the ball and they're able to pass the ball as well i think that's one of the biggest uh things for them because i think one thing that kept them uh with a winning record is the fact that they were able to score 26 points a game which was a little bit uh crazy just uh crazy knowing their situation that into last year so they're able to uh maintain that and score maybe you know high 20s a game something like that and still uh maintain uh running the ball like they did last year i think they should be a, another playoff bound team uh that is just depending on how you know how good the 49ers can get all right y'all i'm gonna take a quick break uh we got some nfl news and also some uh preseason scores to go over as well so i'm gonna take a quick break and when i come back i'll be going over that so i'll be right back y'all all right y'all i am back I'm going to talk some NFL preseason action. We're going to start off with the scores from Thursday. And uh, we're going to start off with the Giants getting some work done against the Bengals. 25 to 23 was the final score there. We got the Ravens getting it done against the Eagles. 26 to 15. We got the Panthers beating the Patriots. Well, actually, the Patriots beating the Panthers, excuse me, 10 to 3. We also got the Redskins getting a win against the Falcons. 19 to 17. Uh, for the Skins, Case Keenum did his thing. 
he had he went nine of fourteen for 101 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Dwayne Askins got some work in as well, seven of thirteen for 74 yards. Running back Darius uh, Geis got some burn as well, getting 44 yards on the ground. So my JP Ryan was uh, was able to get a touchdown. Um, Cam Sims he was able to wide receiver Cam Sims uh, Cam Sims uh, got some action as well, catching three passes for 48 yards. Uh, we also got um, John Bossett, the linebacker, leading the way with five total tackles. Um, Next up for the Falcons, uh, they were led by, of course, their quarterback, Matty Ice. He went 9-14 for 74 yards. Uh, their quarterback, Danny Etling, led all rushers with 48 yards. Running back, Ito Smith, was able to get a rushing touchdown as well. Wide receiver, Justin Hardy, had a catch in 24 yards. Uh, and wide receiver, Muhammad Sanu, was able to catch three for 23 yards. Safety, Keanu Neal, and also linebacker, Jermaine Grace, had four total tackles. Moving on, we got the Jaguars beating the Dolphins. 7-2 and the Raiders pulling one out against the Packers 22-21 out there in Canada. Moving on to Friday's action, uh, we got the Browns uh, sorry, the, uh, sorry, yeah, the Browns losing to the Buccaneers 12-13. We also got the Bills pulling one out against the Lions 24-20 and uh, moving on to Saturday uh, we got the Cardinals getting it done against, actually the Vikings getting it done against the Cardinals 20-9. We also got the Cowboys shutting out the Texans study for the zip for the Cowboys they were led by their quarterback Cooper Rush went 15 of 25 for 173 yards quarterback Mike White and also Dak Prescott also threw for touchdowns as well running back Tony Pollard had 26 yards on the ground and also Alfred Morris their other running back had a touchdown as well in terms of receiving Devin Smith led the way he had six catches for 79 yards uh, also wide receiver Cedric Wilson had four catches and 40 yards and running back Jordan and Chun will get a receiving touchdown. On the defensive side of things, Jalen Jalen Jelts will lead the way with four total tackles, and uh, defensive end Taco Charlton would have three total tackles and also two sacks. The Cowboys defense as a whole will force six and a half sacks and also two interceptions, so good look on them. The, uh, the Texans uh, will be led by Joe Webb, who went 8-21 for 62 yards, but he threw two picks as well. On the ground, Karan, uh, Karan Higdon uh, will lead all rushes with 28 yards. Uh, up next, at the uh, in terms of receiving, uh, tight end Jordan Thomas had two catches for 35 yards. Uh, also, their wide receiver, Chad Henson caught two catches for 24 yards. Okay, and also in terms of defense, uh, defensive back Johnson uh, Batamosi had seven total tackles, and also safety AJ Moore had five total tackles. Uh, moving on to Saturday, some more Saturday action. We got the Bears getting it done against the Colts. 27 to 17. We got the Saints getting it done against the Chiefs by the same score. We also got the Rams beating the Broncos 10 to 6. And we have the uh, Seahawks getting it done against the Chargers 23 to 15. And finally, to wrap everything up from yesterday, we had the Steelers getting it done against the Titans 18 to 6. For the Steelers, of course, Ben Roethlisberger got some action uh, for the for the uh, for them going 8 to 13 for 63 yards. He also threw for a touchdown. Uh, Mason Rudolph. Will get some uh, playing time as well going six of nine for 75 yards also throwing for a touchdown he also throw for a pick uh for james connor he would lead all all rushers on the field with 41 yards uh in terms of receiving deontay spencer uh will get 29 yards to 
the air. Also, wide receiver James Washington will get 41 yards receiving and also a touchdown. Juju Smith-Schuster was also able to catch four, uh, four catches for 37 yards and also a touchdown. On the defensive side, Robert Spillane had five total tackles and a sack and also defensive end uh, Cameron Hayward had four total tackles and a sack. For, tight, uh, for the Titans, quarterback Logan Woodside went 11 of 15 for 117 yards. Running back Jeremy McNichols had 43 yards. Uh, in terms of uh, rushing, Alex Barnes would lead the way. Uh, he also had 32. Well, actually, Jeremy Nichols would lead the way rushing with 43 yards. Alex Barnes would also have 32 yards on the ground. In terms of receiving, uh, wide receiver Khalif Richardson would lead the way with five catches, 50 and 58 yards. And finally, in terms of defense, cornerback Mike Jordan would have four total tackles, a pass deflection, and also an interception. And safety, Armani Hooker would have an interception as well. Let's say, uh, wrap everything up for the NFL with some news here. A couple uh, news stories to talk about, some serious ones on top of that. Uh, well, everything We're going to start off everything in Indianapolis uh, with Andrew Luck. Uh, the quarterback has reti- uh, decided to retire after seven seasons due to multiple injuries. He was drafted with the first, I believe, or the second overall pick in 2012. Uh, and this is a direct quote from him. I think it's very important to key into. He went on to say, I haven't been able to live the life I want to live. It's taken the joy out of this game. The only way forward for me is to remain uh, is to remove myself from football. So that's all you need to know. Uh, I respect the man. He's already done so much for that organization in which he was playing for. Uh, he's also an accomplished man in just his own right. He's a college graduate uh, into architecture. So again, he's not no dummy. He's not no slouch. Um, and again, he's earned his he earns his respect. He's always earned it in my opinion. Uh, but in terms of what he did on the field, he would lead the Colts to uh, two playoff, uh, well, actually uh, three playoff uh, berths in his in three seasons uh, with two back-to-back divisional titles. Uh, then his first injury, then he after this his uh, injury uh, injuries will start to mount up. His first significant injury would occur at week three. 2015, he would miss 26 games because of a shoulder. I believe it was a shoulder tear. Uh, he would also miss uh, all of the entire. He actually will miss part of the 2016 season as well as well as all the 2017 season. 2017 season because of shoulder uh, shoulder issues. He also would lacerate his kidney as well. He also had rib problems. Uh, he would spend some of 2016. Actually, I think he did play uh, the majority of 2016. He played a lot of that in pain. And even in that period of time, I believe between 2016 and 2017, he had already uh, been contemplating some form of retirement. So uh, this has not come as a super shock to me. I do feel, though, that uh, the, or the the Colts organization did him uh various disservices throughout his career there and that's leading to part of the reason why he's no longer playing i'll get into that in just a second uh now again uh he will come back uh for the 2018 season and he will have one of his better maybe even his best seasons out there he threw for 4,593 yards he also threw for 39 touchdowns uh going on to become the nfl's comeback player of the year he also lead the quote to the second uh, to the playoffs again for the first time since 2014 of course they will end up losing in the second round but again uh you see that he does have some talent he does have some leadership qualities and again when he's healthy he's able to do really good things with the Colts and um, again he suffered another injury over the offseason this time it will be a club a calf strain however it went from a calf strain to a possible achilles tear 
maybe uh, in all reality, uh, his training staff really doesn't know. And he's also missed a whole, well, yeah, pretty much a whole bunch of uh, off-season workouts. He's also missed uh, mini camps as well. He is only able to participate in three days of training camp as well. And, and obviously, uh, he's still in a significant amount of pain. So I personally respect uh, his decision to walk away. I would not want to, you know, continuously hurt my body, uh, especially in a position uh, with a job that I'm no longer feel that I have any type of love for. There's no point in just, uh, especially when I, I'm, I'm sacrificing my body. Um, and for his sake, uh, he's definitely um, made enough money to take care of himself. But even beyond that, even if he wasn't rich and all that, uh, I, I wouldn't, I, you know, I wouldn't want to waste my time at a job and, and I'm, my body's hurting and, and constantly I'm not even happy with doing it. I would not want to waste my time, you know, going through pain and I didn't enjoy what I was doing. So I personally, I personally see where he's coming from. Um, one thing I did want to speak on before I let the situation go was I was very disappointed and almost angered by the Indianapolis fans who decided they, they thought it was right to boo this man. This man took y'all crappy ass franchise to the playoffs when your owner basically fucked off the rest of Peyton Manning's career as well. And, uh, your your in your, uh, out of touch owner, Mr. Jim Ursay and that out of touch you know, front office in Indianapolis uh, does not know how to treat quality quarterbacks or quality players. This is why you have players like Marshall Falk that get traded to the Rams and win a Super Bowl within a year. You have players like Peyton Manning who get traded uh, to to the Denver Broncos and end uh, end up with a uh, Super Bowl within one or two years. This is what this is what that franchise deserves. Uh, you guys, that, and and as a city, as a fan base, you guys showed yourself to be very ignorant. You guys showed yourself to be very bushly and backwater and I personally don't believe that you guys deserve any success anymore any any more of your of your coach team I think y'all really were classless with how y'all booed him I didn't like that he sacrificed his body for y'all enjoyment for, for you to sit there and be and be happy and show up to that place so uh, you should be thankful that he did that because you didn't even have to show up he y'all wasn't even trying to show up to the game uh, before he before he suited up for you guys so uh, turn your back on him like that after he's risked his body he had to play through a bull season in pain and you had a, a coaching staff not, not necessarily a coaching staff but an owner or and Jim Ursay who basically said everything that he was going through was in his mind you know you guys deserve as an organization as a fan base you guys deserve to be to be in a, to be in the trash bin and I, I hope you guys do not win uh, another championship until Jim Ur Jim Ursay uh, removes himself from ownership and uh, maybe even y'all move from that backwater of Indianapolis because I don't think y'all y'all know what it takes to really respect these players and what they have to go through y'all just like Tampa Bay y'all don't y'all don't respect really deserve of those sports franchise y'all y'all fair weather fans who don't really care and then the minute y'all get something good, y'all turn against it when they, when everybody look when it's his life on the line, and you turn your back on him like that. And I think that was really classless on the fan base of that city right there. And um, yeah, I don't think y'all got anything coming to y'all in the future, anything positive. So that's what y'all get booing that man like that. I, don't, I hope y'all don't win nothing else. All right, y'all. So I'm gonna take another quick break, and when I come back, uh, oh, actually no, one more quick story to talk about before I take another break. Um, there is a Fortunately, there is a passing to talk about. Uh, former running back Cedric Benson uh, was killed in a motorcycle accident last week in Austin, Texas. I believe his funeral services uh, within the were within the past couple of days. Um, like I said, he was 36 years old, and the crash happened 
early in the morning, I believe around 3.41 a.m., when a minivan pulled on onto the roadway and a and the woman driver in the minivan also ended up dying uh, as well. So, uh, you know, RIP and condolences to both sides of this tragedy for uh, for Cedric and his career, just for you guys to get a little bit of knowledge on him. Uh, he In his college career, uh, he was a sixth all-time leading rusher in the NCAA in college football. He ran for 5,540 yards. Uh, that was sixth all-time, like I said, in college football and second um, on, on school's history in the, this, the University of Texas's history uh, next to Ricky Williams. He also received the Doug Walker Award for Best Running Back in College Football back in 2004. He was also a consensus All-American. He will go on to end up being drafted number four overall. Uh, in 2005 by Chicago. As a pro, he didn't do that bad either. Uh, he ran for 6,017 uh, 6, yards and 32 touchdowns with the Bears. He also would spend his time playing for Green Bay and also Cincinnati. In 2009, he would go on to have his best season as a football player with 1,251 yards and nine touchdowns with the Bengals. Now, again, he did have some um, some negative in, uh, instances in his past and some negative events go on. I'm not going to dwell into that because, again, uh, as far as as far as what I've heard from testimony about him, uh, despite all those things that happened, people were really glowing about him and uh, people really swear by his... Um, by his honesty and his trueness and just who he was as a person, as a human being. So I don't think, even with his issues, I don't think they made him a terrible person in terms of how he treated others. He just made some mistakes, but it didn't make him a bad person in how he treated others and how others viewed him. So at the end of the day, I'm not going to really jump into uh, the negative aspects of his career and what happened there. But uh, RIP to him, also RIP to the woman that passed away in that crash as well. And I send the best condolences and all best wishes uh, to both of them families all right y'all i'm going to take another quick break and we will be wrapping everything up with some mlb talk of course we'll be going over the scores from yesterday and of course we'll be going over the standings these playoff races they're heating up and of course we have five weeks left in the season so let's get to it i'll be right back y'all back i'm gonna wrap this up for today of course we'll be going over some mlb action as well as the standings as well let's get right into it like i said with the scores uh, we're gonna start off in the al east with the orioles getting it done against the rays eight to three was the final score there we also got the braves getting it done against the mets two to one the marlins get a win against the phillies three to two we also got the royals getting an upset against the royal i uh, sorry the indians nine to eight we got the reds here uh taking a loss to the uh, Pirates, eight to nine. Uh, we got uh, oh, we have a pretty significant one here. The Astros get another win, uh, increase that lead over the AL West. Uh, they get a win over the Angels here, eleven to two. For the Astros, they were led by their right fielder Josh Reddick, who had two hits, also three RBIs. Jose Altuve, uh, Jose Altuve, excuse me, would go on to have two hits, including a home run and two RBIs. That home run will put him at twenty-four home runs on the season, which is tied for his career best in home runs in the season. Uh, we also got uh, two, a two-run homer from their catcher, Martin Maldonado, as well. And uh, 
Cranbear Valdez was able to get the win going for six innings, two hits, and uh, he only gave up one on run. He also had eight strikeouts as well. Uh, moving on, we got the Tigers getting it done against the Twins. Uh, sorry, sorry, the Twins getting it done against the Tigers. Seven to four was the final score there. We also got the Chicago White Sox getting it done against the Rangers. Two zip. Uh, we had the Diamondbacks getting the win against the Brewers. Five to two. The Cardinals were able to beat the Rockies. Eleven to four. The Nationals get another win this time against the Cubs. Uh, seven to five is the final score there for the uh, Nationals. They were led by the third baseman Anthony Rendon. Another good hitting night from him. Four hits, two RBIs. Infielder Azubo Cabrera also got two hits, two RBIs. And left fielder Juan Soto was able to get three hits as well as an RBI. Uh, pitcher Steven Strasburg was able to get the win, going for six innings, giving up five hits but only two earned runs. He also got ten strikeouts as well. For the Cubs, they got uh, some help from Kyle Schwarber. He got two hits and two RBIs. And also uh, third baseman Chris Bryant was able to get an RBI in as well. Uh, for the Giants, they were able to notch another win uh this time against my a's boo five to four is the final score we also got the mariners beating the blue jays three to one we got the padres getting another win this time against the uh the red sox three to one and finally in the big time nighttime primetime game the yankees got it done in convincing fashion against the dodgers five to one for the yankees uh they got some good help from their pinch hitter first baseman mike ford who uh went two who had two hits and two rbis uh second baseman DJ LeMahieu uh, get, just getting back from injury uh, he had an RBI as well and Gio Urshela their third baseman uh, he had a hit and actually uh, he had a hit in an RBI as well uh, for their pitch and uh, their uh, man the starting pitcher um, went for six innings got the win he also gave up five hits but only two earned run uh, two earned runs excuse me and uh, he had five strikeouts as well and in terms of what the Dodgers were able to do they got an RBI from Jack Peterson. Now let's move on to the standings. Uh, starting off in the AL East, the Yankees are still on top. They are 85 and 47, four and six in our last ten. They've been slipping a little bit, but they have good enough a good enough lead on the division right now to the point where they can take a couple losses here and there. Uh, the Rays are at 76 and 50, uh, 56. Excuse me. Uh, they are just a, they are nine games back, five weeks to go, uh, five and five in the last ten. Again, they definitely have a shot at the wild card. That's what matters here. The Rays, I'm sorry, uh, the Red Sox are at the third place spot. They are 70 and 62, 15 games back. They've gone seven and three in their last 10. Rounding out the rear here in the AL East, we have the Blue Jays at 40, uh, sorry, 53 and 80, and the Orioles who are at 43 and 88. Let's move, let's move on to the AL Central where we have the Twins who are still on top, 79 and 51. They've gone seven and three in their last 10. Uh, in the second place spot, we have the Indians at 76 and 55. Oh, I'm sorry. The Rays are at 76 and 56. Um, and the White Sox, we have at a third place spot here in the Central, 60 and 70. The Royals and the Tigers are here at the bottom. The Royals are 46 and 85, and the Tigers are 39 and 89. Let's move off to the AL West, of course, where we have the Astros, who are still on top. Excuse me. Uh-oh. 
Yeah, we got the Astros on top of here. Uh, 85 and 47 is their current record. They're seven and three in the last 10. We have the A's here at 74 and 55. Nine and a half games back, seven and three in the last 10. Uh, they didn't do that great against that series with the Giants. So we didn't really make up too much ground. Uh, we actually lost some. We're nine and a half games back now. So uh, we just gotta keep fighting. Maybe we can get that wild card. At the number third, uh, the number three spot, we have the Rangers here at 64 and 68. Up next, we have the Angels at 63 and 70. And finally, we have the Mariners here at 56 and 75. Uh, off to the National League, we're going to start off in the East uh, with the Braves, who are still on top. They are 80 and 52, 8 and 2 in the last 10. Ronald Acuna is inching uh, to that 40-40 club, so we'll I'll be letting you know if he uh, crosses into it before the end of the season. Uh, we also have the Nationals here at 73 and 57, six games back. They are 8 and 2 in the last 10. Next, we have the Phillies at 62 and uh, 67 excuse me in 62 11 and a half games back six and four in the last 10 we also have the, um, the Mets here at 67 and 65 12 games back six and four in the last 10 Finally, at the bottom, we have the Marlins at 47 and 82. Uh, in the, uh, the NL Central, we have the Cardinals here at 71 and 58, 8 and 1 in the last two. Next up, we have the Cubs at 69 and 61, two and a half games back, five and five in the last 10. We have the Brewers here in the third place spot at 67 and 63, four and a half games back, five and five in the last 10. We have the Reds at 60 and 69, 11 games back. You can pretty much put an X in them. I don't they're going to make up that difference in five weeks. Uh, 60 and 69 is their current record. And finally, we have the Pirates here at 55 and 75. Off to the NL West, we have the Dodgers who still have maintained that spot. 86 and 46, no end in sight. Five weeks left. They are five and five in the last 10. They did not look that great against the Yankees, uh, but still, they're still uh, one of the best teams in the National League. Uh, moving on to the second place spot, we have the Giants here just 20 games back, but they are five at 500 at 65 and 65. They're going five and five in the last 10. Uh, up next, we have the Diamondbacks who are 65 and 66. And rounding out the rear, we have the Padres at 60 and 69 and the Rockies at 58 and 73. All right, y'all, I'm going to call a wrap for today. My next episode, I'm, I'm still uh, putting those finishing touches on that uh, end of the year review for 2004. Um, I kind of went into it because, uh, of course, I've been going over the top songs from then, from there and everything. So I started off with just uh, no real... I didn't have a real uh, plan. I just wanted to attack it uh, head on. So I got all the songs together. I got the, the billboard charts together. Uh, I got all my notes. I'm getting all my notes together. So now we're editing everything down. Because again, I didn't have a real real plan on, which I, on, how, which I, on how I wanted to present everything. So I am working on that as we speak. So look out for that, for that within the next day or so. Uh, but the notes are done for the most part. I'm just now uh, looking on sequencing everything and uh, editing everything down or whatever needs to be down uh so that's coming soon uh of course we have the word on the street later on this week as well and of course as uh we have some uh college football previews to about two more to go over if i'm not mistaken and of course we have a few more divisional uh previews for the nfl as well so if you're looking to get in touch with me you can hit me up on my gmail at eljbutler75 at gmail of course.com of course that is e again that is eljbutler75 at gmail.com you can also reach me up 
up on the fa- the hit me up on the Facebook page for this show at Never Out of Bounce. I also have a Facebook and an Instagram as well for my personal self at L Jamal Ajani. That is E L J A M A H A D J A N I. Once again, that is E L J A M A H A D J A N I. All right, y'all. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love, and I will holla at y'all later. Bye.